Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Justin Addison is a U.S. Army veteran, Jets fan, and executive chef at the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation. He enlisted in the Army on 9-11, the same day that it happened, and was later deployed to Fallujah, Iraq, as a PSYOP specialist. We were also joined by Mohammed Saeed, who served as the interpreter for Justin's team during deployment. They formed a natural connection and were effective teammates in the field. They now consider each other brothers and live minutes from each other in Williamsburg. This episode, we focus mainly on Justin's story, which does include some shared stories from their deployment. But if you are curious about Muhammad's story as well, we spoke with him on episode 54. So without further ado, here are Muhammad Saeed and Justin Addison. Right on. Okay, Justin Addison and Muhammad Saeed, welcome to the center of the universe. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so Muhammad is uh, rejoining us. First time Muhammad joined us uh, was a few months ago via Zoom, but now we have Muhammad and Justin here in person. Uh, We're connected to Justin through Muhammad, uh, and Muhammad said, yeah, you you really should talk to Justin because he's a great guy and he has an awesome story. And so we're glad to have Justin here. Muhammad will uh, join us in conversation, but uh, the focus today is on Justin, not to put any pressure on Justin. Yeah, no, this is going to be good. It's going to be good. Cool. So, Justin, uh, you grew up all over the place. Where were the places you lived growing up? Yeah, so um, my mother was also in the Army. So um, I was born in Columbia, South Carolina, and my mom was in the Army at the time and then got out for a little while and actually met my father. My father's a local in Columbia. His side of the family is basically from East Over, South Carolina, which is right outside of Columbia. Uh, so they got together. Uh, they had me. And my mom had joined back into the um, army. She was working as a corrections officer in South Carolina at the time. Um, and then when she rejoined the army, we ended up, they got a divorce. And so we ended up moving to New York in Queens, Fort Totten. There's a fort in Queens. Yeah. Fort Totten. Fort Totten's got an old fort there. Really awesome. If you ever get a chance to go up there. Um, it's usually, it's used as like a training center right now. So... You know, you go up there. It's it's not a military base anymore, like it used to be. And so I went. I actually went recently to. Uh, had a buddy that I actually lived with in Maine, that uh, lived in Jamaica Queens, which is right up the road there, and uh, had to go to. He died, and I went to his funeral, and then we went to the old fort and went and looked at where I lived and everything. And it's NYPD, the fire department, uses as training and stuff now. So, uh, but she worked for the seventy seventh Arcom there, and she was. Um, was Arcom uh, Public Affairs Recruiting Command, did. or was it something else? No, she was. She worked. It was. They had a lot of different jobs in there, so it was mainly a reserve center. Um, but she was active duty, mm. um, and there was small amounts of people there that were active duty. And then on the weekends, you know, um, is when it was really busy there. Uh, so after that, we moved to San Antonio, Texas, and lived on um, Fort Sam Houston. And I lived off of base for a little while before we got housing on base. And then went to school down there. Um, and then we moved to Manchester, New Hampshire. Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah there yep. it is. Mm. There, there's a connection to Daniel. My folks are in New Hampshire, yeah. Yeah, yeah what part? Uh, Grantham. It's like an hour to mm. the north. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a small little place. It's right near New London. I don't know. If... Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, where New, yeah. London, New London is. But we, we used to go up to uh, Lake Winnipesaukee. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of stories from there, yeah. Nice. How yeah. old so how old are you at this point? Um, 
Yeah, I should have said that all of those ages. Uh, so when I got to Manchester, New Hampshire, I was in the eighth grade. So I want to say I was like 13. Okay. Yeah, 13 or 14. Um, and then we lived there for almost a year. And then we got accepted into housing in Kittery, Maine, which is a shipyard, Portsmouth Shipyard. I'm sure you heard of that. Mm-hmm. Well, your parents, you didn't live up there, did you? Uh, my dad grew up there, and mm-hmm. they've been there for a few years. So I, I go up and visit, but I never actually lived there. Yeah? Yeah. It's it's beautiful up there. So you go in the summer, I'm hoping. I go in the summer yeah. and in the winter. Get the white Christmas. Crazy. Yeah, it's it's Crazy. amazing. No, I... I got sick of it, so I, <laughs> I can't, we were talking about, we were talking about the way here, man, I, I mean, sometimes it starts late September, October, and sometimes the last snow you get is early May, yep. late April, <laughs> pants wet, uh, trying to go to work, no, yeah. it sucked, yeah, but, um, I mean, I liked living up there, though, and then I moved to uh, Kittery in ninth grade, and I did my high school at um, Trape Academy, um, it's not a private school, it's their public school, it's just the name of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, 9-11 happened and, you know, like we were talking about earlier, everyone remembers where they were. I was, I was in homeroom. So, uh, when it happened, they put it on TV. Um, and that's when I decided I was going to join. Same um, day. I, on that day. Yeah. 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 And, um, and it's funny cause my the best friend, Brandon at the time, he, his father was a recruiter for the army. That's why they were there. And so, I mean, I got locked in real quick. Um, and I left. I got signed up on my 17th birthday, which was November 26th of that year, and then I went for um, basic training in the next summer, the summer after junior high, senior. So, so 18 is still, you have to be 18, but you signed up a year before in advance? Yeah, it's, um, it was called split up, is what it is. So you can join at 17, and then you go to your basic boot camp. Um, during that summer of junior senior year mm-hmm. and only in reserves though so i initially joined the reserves um and i was a con- not combat engineer it's yeah I, I didn't go to i didn't go to ait so that whatever you were, I you, were, up, you were on the route for 12 bravo but you ended up not taking that route it, it wasn't it wasn't a combat engineer i, I can't remember t- 21 i just i just can't remember it I never went to school for it. I, mm-hmm. I went to a couple of, you know, uh, one a weekend a month for, you know, the year that I was in. Yeah, yeah. And I switched over to active duty probably about three months before graduation. And so I went straight to AIT in um, Fort Bragg. Which stands for? Oh, shit. You know, advanced, just, uh, there you go. Advanced, advanced individual training. Individual training. Okay. Yeah. Which basically, that's where you go and learn your specialty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when. Okay. So yeah, yeah, everybody's going through the same experience for boot camp. They're basically learning how to be soldiers at, at the uh, basic level, and then yeah. uh, you learn some specific stuff at AIT. Yeah, nice. yeah. A lot of these acronyms, I probably ain't gonna remember that, but I might help. Each I, other. I might remember. Yeah, somewhere. no worries. Yeah, um, how many other like kids your age do you think had that similar kind of? They saw nine eleven, signed up for the army. Like, did you have any friends that were doing the same thing, or were you kind of one of a kind? No, I. Out of my friends, I was the first one to do it. I was the first one to pull the trigger. But all of my friends ended up, the majority of them, ended up uh, joining the military. So whether it was a year later, two years, mm-hmm. um, Marine Corps, Army, and Air Force, you know, all of them. Uh, and most of them, again, there might have been a few locals that stayed in Kittery. Yeah. But for the most part, my friends were all military brats. So they 
just followed suit pretty much with mm. their parents and everything. Yeah, there, there were a lot of uh, a lot of folks who joined the military when 9-11 happened. So I remember kids that went to Ivy League schools. Uh, I remember a couple of kids from Duke University, like were, were a year away uh, from graduating. They were seniors or, or maybe mm. they're a couple years away from graduating. And they said, I'm leaving school. I'm going to join the military. Just like uh, that f- football player. Shoot. Oh, he was a cornerback. Yeah, Pat uh, Tillman. Tillman, yeah. yeah. Pat Tillman gave up the NFL, his NFL career, to join uh, the army. He became an army ranger and ended up dying in Afghanistan. So, yeah, there was there were a lot of folks like Justin that said, "This is wrong, and I need to be part of this and uh, get us back to a better place." Yeah, I, I mean, it was super impactful for me. Um, but after, after all that, I ended up at Fort Bragg, and for psyops, they let you join in as a. It's called a they call them psyop babies. Um, so basically, in psyops before nine eleven which they had a flood of people coming, so they had massive waivers. Um, special forces, PSYOPs, they were all accepting people, um, and they called them babies because you usually had to be an E5 or E4 promotable to even get into these um, Meaning you've been in the Army for a bit. Yeah, mm, at yeah. least for most likely four or five years. Yeah. Um, obviously, promotions were being handed out like candy, too, so everything was kind of moving real quick. Um, so we went, to, we went to AIT, Fort Bragg, um, and then you had to go to jump school. You have to be jump qualified um, down at Fort Benning. And then you come back for language school on Fort Bragg, too. And what was your language you, you learned? <laughs> I learned Indonesian. <laughs> Apakabad. <laughs> Dang. No, this is what's up. And, and Indonesian is one of a handful of languages that you were telling me is Latin-based. Yeah. But you find it in Asia, which is pretty unusual. Because the Romans didn't make it to Asia. No. Um... Oh, man, I knew. So the Bering Strait was the trade okay. um, through Indonesia, and it wrapped up um, to southern Philippines, mm-hmm. um, where they would trade throughout that system. So the Dutch actually took uh, over um, Indonesia and turned it into a Latin-based language. Um, and the core language in Indonesia was a language called Yawi. And Yawi, um, Yawi was, it's, it's like a, uh, I don't know, indigenous kind of, language but it's actually translated into um, you know Thailand Malaysia all the way down through Indonesia um, and there's that's not the only language obviously they, they speak tribal languages in mm-hmm. Indonesia plus their formal language and did you ever spend time in, in, in Indonesia no 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 we actually it, it, we were supposed to go there so I was stationed in um, Thailand for a little while and we were supposed to go there from Thailand, but there was a problem with their our governments. Mm. <clears throat> Wait, so basically the United States, um, and I, I believe you can look this up, you know, it's not anything crazy, but it, we were been trying to get into Indonesia to help them because they also have a um, massive insurgency issue throughout that their region. Um, and so we were trying to get there to help them. And obviously there was conflictions with the government on getting in there. So um, we didn't we didn't go there at that time. Um, I believe we went there and helped them out for relief during the, um, um, what was that? The tsunami. tsunami. Or the, yeah. Is that what, typhoon maybe? It was a typhoon uh, that made, it was, it was an earthquake that caused the massive tsunami. Of yeah. Right. yeah. So at, at that point is when, you know, forces were able to go in and start helping um, mm. with relief. Yeah, special operations for, from the U.S. military, they're they're all over the place, and you, we have guys like you that learned Indonesian, which is extremely rare, right? How many guys in the U.S. military could speak Indonesian? 
I mean, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, not. I mean, everyone. Again, everyone from our units. We were with special forces that were also in that process too of of training on different languages. Um, so you know, all my friends. I had really close friends that were in Mandarin, Chinese, uh, Korean. Really and hard languages. Really for, hard for an English speaker. To yeah. Pick up. Yeah. Um, culturally, um, I. I mean. It was just amazing learning about the Indonesian culture because I, I honestly think that it's a culture that gets kind of pushed aside. Um, it's just they're one of the largest, most impactful cultures on the planet, and we kind of don't, you know, uh, understand them yeah. as much as we could. You know, everyone understands Bali and go in there, but the food and, and the relationship um, between the nature and their culture and how actually, you know, Indonesia's these people are to that land and how they use it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think people really, it's a great, great place to study. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's doing the language, you know, we got to eat the food. Um, our teachers, actually our teachers, our teachers actually got fired midway through our whole language school. Mm. Yeah. Because they, their background wasn't as where it was supposed to be. Um, and it was the guy and his wife were actually teaching it. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, we don't know exactly what happened, but uh, we just know it was background issues. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. And he was he was Muslim, um, and she was Catholic. Well, oh, Christian. Interesting. Me. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. Uh, I think Malaysia is like majority uh, Muslim, but is yes. the rest of it is it, well not the rest, but is Indonesia also? Well, you had the influence of the Dutch, um, but yes, they're they're primarily uh, Muslim. If I'm you know, don't quote me on the percentage, but I think it's like 80 to 83% mm. Muslim in nice. Indonesia. Yeah. And Malaysia too. And Southern Thailand. Oh um, yeah. So not a lot of people understand the Southern Thailand region was, and still is predominantly uh, Muslim. Okay. So is that why they were interested? Like at this time that you were going through psyops and language school, like, is that why they were interested in that region was because of potential relations to the nine 11 stuff or just totally different? Um, so there, there's, everyone knows what Al Qaeda is, you know, um, and there's subgroups based off of Al Qaeda, and Al Qaeda basically um, is the main thing that people focus on, but underneath and branched off, Al Qaeda supports multiple, mm. um, multiple different. It's like a network. Yes, huge network, and that network stretches throughout the entire world, um, and it's different in every region, um, but the that area specifically um there were things that happened in the past um that countries did and uh took away land from these people that lived in the region so part of the battle is taking that land back Mm. and there was there was battles going on about that um yeah so a lot of this is you can look it up uh for different regions or anything like that, but it's happening throughout the whole Southeast Asian region. Yeah, it's amazing the influence the Al-Qaeda network has, has had. I, do you have a sense of it being really powerful these days relative to what it was like maybe 10, 15 years ago? You know, I, I got to tell you, being out of the military, um, you just, you know, you don't read as much. Um, we're very fortunate as Americans that we don't have to um, have that kind of impacted on us on a daily basis so i you know to answer that i i don't know yeah you know i don't, know, I don't even know how deep it goes um i don't know how impact impactful all the work that we did really was or is um 
you know, did people go into hiding? Is there still talks of it? I don't know. Politics in our country, look how fast it just, well, you know, me and Roy were on the way here talking about how you don't hear anything that much like you heard in December. Right. You know, yeah. or November or September, October. And then all of a sudden here you are. But do, did people change their minds? No. They just aren't talking about it anymore. So the Guys my age knew that it was going to calm down uh, yeah. a month or two after the election. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I kind of feel about it is maybe it's calm right now yeah. and just burning beneath the surface. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, yeah. uh, so what's psyops? Like, what is that? What do you get trained in? I think of like movies where they do psychological warfare type stuff. Um, you know, it's the, the motto is win the mind, win the day. Um, and so in that, is a whole realm of things. There's tactical versions of implementing that. <clears throat> there's non-tactical versions. Um, there's, if you've ever heard of leaflets being dropped from the sky, mm-hmm. um, that's PSYOPs. It has a whole production center that comes up with messages that we like to spread. Um, Roy actually did, um, he would be, <clears throat> our trucks drive around, and people in the military are going to know this, our trucks drive around with big speakers on top of them. All right, and it's pretty wild. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I we'll that. do all kinds of things to annoy people. Um, some, some which would you know we would play, let the bodies hit the floor, um, different annoying rock songs to annoy some of the locals, depending on what our goals were. And some of it is positive messaging. Some of it is um, understanding, you know, helping the people to understand what we're what we're doing and what the whole the whole purposes of us being in their village or whatever. So Roy would actually be the speaker on the, he would talk onto the, uh, Oh, big no way. Yeah. Yeah. I love the DJ. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so cool. I would, so I would write out, write out the stuff. Me and him would sit there and, and write out things that we're going to talk about when we get handed the project and then we take it from there. But, um, so you'd oh, be come given... on, do, do one, do one, do one. <laughs> yeah, we, we used to do like a crowd control when there was a mass of people coming to the humanitarian assistance center, if you remember. Yeah. And they go crazy. They just uh, fight each other. They want to be in the top and get... We, we used to give them food, equipment uh, after the war, and uh, they go crazy. So he asked me to give a message to make sure everybody that they will get what they are here for. So, uh, and you need to be serious too. So uh, there was some emotion. We passed it like uh, everybody need to be safe. Please stay in the line. It doesn't work. So uh, they gave me. Uh, he gave me the speaker. He was like, "Just say something to control people." So I was like, "All right, everybody, there's operation going on here. I want you to line up." But <laughs> no way. And it worked. Everybody lined up. I was speaking Arabic. That's, that's uh. not fair. That's not fair though. Yeah, you're gonna have, you're gonna have to do that in yeah. Arabic. They got in Arabic. Arabic? <laughs> yeah, it's so much more powerful. Uh, yeah, he, he liked to laugh at this one. <laughs> no, I don't. قوات التحالف تدير عمليات عسكرية على الجميع أن يستمر في النظام ويلتزم في الخط. I would have gotten in line. Yeah. Yeah. If I spoke Arabic. No, I was laughing. No, sometimes you need to be serious. Sometimes you need to be friendly. It's uh, I I did not get the training they have, but uh, Justin took his time to explain it to me. Like uh, you need to change the emotion. Uh, emphasis on this point and that point and uh, it, it worked so uh, so he would write down in English and would yeah. you just read the English and convert have, it to spoken Arabic I have a few minutes we are driving and it's happening so oh, I, wow. 
I need to look at English yes. and process it and do it in Arabic. And it just luckily they got the right voice at that time. They, uh, I used to listen to other previous translators and uh, the, the voice is not convicting, not convicting people to do things. So mm. uh, I, I, my voice, I think it's worked there. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for the Sean Connery thing, by the way. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you still, you still remember that? I'm more like Adolf Hitler. Would you? <laughs> no, no, no. Sean Connery. That's a big compliment. No, yeah. I, I, it's just the demeanor. Yeah. I don't know. What do you? What do you think, Justin? I, I loved it. My mom loved yeah. it too. Yeah. She by did, the way, uh, she was calling Sean Connery. For a <laughs> yeah, she made fun of me. Justin, mom is an amazing person. Uh, I mean, uh, when I came to the country, she she adopted me like a son. Yeah, and she she's enter- she's lives near you she, too, right? Yeah, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. She yeah. introduced me to other people like this is my son Jason, this is my son Justin, and this is my adopted son Roy. Nice. <laughs> Which is really impactful on a person just came to the country. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's huge. Yeah, she's amazing. And when she get this Sean Connery thing, <laughs> I was I was the center of that joke. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sean Connery could definitely pull off yeah. like getting people to get into a line. Yeah, and he got a better accent than me too. <laughs> <laughs> But you meant his affect, like yeah, his just way his, way of yeah. being. If he spoke with authority, I, yeah, people would listen. Yeah, yeah. So they would give you like a goal, like we need to get this message, or we need to change the local opinion. It sounds village. like he was ad libbing a lot too. Right? Yeah, yeah, we we ad lib. He got really good. Um, I mean, we just started working together. I mean, we, I wanted to kill him a few times, but um, <laughs> no, we used to get into it. It wasn't time. aiming good. <laughs> That was you. That was you. <laughs> and no, I um no, we 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 were just so we worked together so well. It was creepy actually. Like we'd be able to just drive down the road and we'd be able to understand each other and um quickly on the fly do anything that we needed to do. So uh we just And what what yeah. was like the measure of success? Like how would you know if the psyops worked or not? Um so many different ways to measure the effect. So there's in psyops you have you have to do back work after you're done to reach those results. You have you know a target audience. You have a psychological um, uh, a psychological. Uh, it's called a spell. It's, it's your supporting objective. Psychological mm-hmm. um, supporting objective, and then you have objectives underneath that, and um, then you have measures. Um, and you write those measures out. Um, afterwards and a lot of that work uh, you you do that backdrop work based on being out there mm-hmm. so understanding what's happening um, understanding what people are saying so what what we would do is to get those measures you know we, we would go out Roy would talk to people um, and we would kind of get a sense of what's happening there was big wigs in Fallujah that we would sit with and talk to uh, and we'd get a sense of what was happening based on some of these people, whether they were being honest or not. Mm-hmm. Um, we could see it throughout the throughout the city. So the impact the impact really comes from time and monitoring and mm-hmm. um, working through those measures. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the the back work that goes into psyops is a lot of it's a lot of paperwork, um, but it it's paperwork that we develop to send to production for whether it's leaflets or messages that need to be sent um, and how we develop what our next course of action is going to be. Yep. Wow. So, so let's back up. So mm-hmm. you went through AIT, jump school at Benning, 
language yeah. school uh, was it out in Cali, California? No, no. This is um, at this is at a building on Fort Bragg. Okay. Um, if you go out to the one in Monterey Bay, that's more so um, like a year and a half, mm. which some people do also. And, and, and there's ways you can do that. You know, you can sign up for the courses if you score a certain, you know, point. Yeah. You you be able to sign up for that and then hopefully get in. Just like you would Pathfinder School or right. anything like that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Except for you get paid a lot, you know, if you know your language. If you score a certain level, if you get a two plus two, something of that, that nature, you get extra money. Yeah. So a lot of people try to shoot for it. Mm. Well, and going to Monterey Bay for a year and a half. I mean, it's gorgeous out yeah, there. Yeah, it right? is. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I went. I actually went out there. My buddy, uh, Jeff, he went to Korean language school out there and was there for almost a year and a half, two years. Um, and I went out there and drove him and his wife. I helped them drive both of their cars back. Mm. And we spent like a few days out there and then drove from Monterey back to Fort Bragg together. And I was already out of the military at the time. It's kind of a sad drive, right? You're going from Monterey Bay to central North Carolina. Um, That's just me making fun of people from North Carolina. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love North Carolina. I loved it there. Yeah. yeah, I love the whole drive. I got to drive through the desert, Texas. Um, saw a whole bunch of buddies I haven't seen in a long time, you know, from the military that are out. Um, and then we drove, we drove, basically we drove all the way down to LA and kind of drove the I-10 route, mm. you know, um, yeah. and then scooted up from Louisiana right there all the way up to North Carolina. And nice. I flew back. All right. So uh, after language school, yeah. where, where were you posted? Um, after language school, I, this job is the primary post is Fort Bragg. Um, unless you get attached to, um, like a, uh, most of PSYOPs is reserve units. Mm. So scattered across the country. So unless you are active duty at one of those buildings, you're going to be stationed at. So you spent a ton of time at Bragg. My whole entire career. Wow. Yeah. Except for your deployment. Except for deployments. Yeah. yeah. So I spent six months there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, yeah. So I, I was at Fort Bragg the, the whole time. So. so let's talk about going into Iraq. What year was this and how old were you? Um, I went to Iraq in 2005, so I got there February, yeah, January, February. It was a cold so, winter, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, cold winter, what does that mean? Like 30, <laughs> 35 degrees was it's, the cold? It's the cold. dry and cold, believe it or not, the degree, the temperature dropped down. It's, In the middle of the night, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it got down to 32 when I was there, but it yeah. never got colder than 32. Yeah, with the dry weather, 32 was really more effective. Yeah. yeah. It snowed one day. One day. Where were you up? North? In Baghdad. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. I missed that. It hadn't, ha- it hadn't <laughs> happened in 100 years. Seriously. <laughs> that's, how, that's how everything up north is, northeast, like in Maine and Massachusetts. Get that snowstorm. It hasn't happened this way since <laughs> 1965. <laughs> how, why am I here for this? Yeah. All right, so February of 05. Yeah, got there in February of 05. Um, and that was right after the Battle of Fallujah. So it was, the streets were kind of cleared, you know, at first. Uh, people kind of not coming to the city, and then slowly it started picking up. More people coming and coming. So, and then I actually was supposed to come home in September. September, I believe, of 05. For R&R or for the end of your... No, we didn't, get, we didn't get any R&R. Okay. So we, we stayed there the whole time. We never left. For anything, we were supposed to go to Qatar. Something happened. We got stuck there. Um, who knows? Because we were, we were chasing all kinds of 
weird things. And so you ended up having to be there for certain operations, certain things who couldn't go on R. So we never did. Um, and then we were supposed to leave in September. We ended up getting stuck there because of um, Katrina happened mm. that same year in, mm. in August, I believe. And then we got, man, we were all ready to go home. That happened. We got stuck there for almost two more months. And I was And 20. it felt like two more years probably. It, yeah, Man, it, yeah. I mean, you just, you feel like you're ready to to go because especially your last month or two weeks there, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you're just, you're, you're just a, you know, you're just a nut hair away from just, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you start to, it just starts playing with your mind, you know. Yeah. So when we got stuck there, it was pretty devastating. But then, you know, we just kept it rolling. And I actually came home the day before my 21st birthday. So that was pretty cool. I got home like the day before on November 25th. And you'd been uh, doing dangerous work in a dangerous place, and you, the uh, America wouldn't allow you to drink legally until you got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, don't worry about that. I found I found my ways. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I, the, the only thing I was worried about going to Iraq was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go this whole time without drinking anything. I was like, I'm going to have to get people to send me stuff in the mail. You know. Yeah. There, there, there were ways to uh, get booze over there, mm-hmm. no doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, did you go have a celebratory beer on your 21st? Oh, did I? Yeah. yeah anyone's from anyone's from Fort Bragg? I, I went to uh, Sharky's that night and. Um, it got pretty crazy. We had a good time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, 21st yeah. birthday, and you just finished the deployment. Yeah. It was all, and I had, <laughs> oh, man. you know, we had got stuck in Germany for almost like a week. Oh. So we left Iraq, went to Germany, got stuck there. It was snowing out there, so it was kind of cool. We built a snowman and stuff like that, but um, and then we finally left there and got back home, and I was, I was super pumped. Next day. <laughs> 21. I bet you were. I went crazy. Yeah. That was four years to the day from when you signed up, too. Like 17 yeah. to 21. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was. So how long was that deployment, like, uh, in all? February to November? Sounds like eight or nine months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was that your... Did you go back for a second one? No. So we basically were on rotation for going, going to combat zones and non-combat zones. So... Um, you basically had a, a tactical department and then you rotated out into your original um, unit, which, so mine was PACOM. So we, you would rotate out into that and then go on a deployment there. You would come back, rotate back into, uh, you know, a combat zone. So I would have, I would have gone to Afghanistan next after Thailand. PACOM being Pacific Com. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Command. Okay. Yeah, Pacific command. command. My yeah. bad, my bad. Yeah, I, I just said like, I said calm like I was explaining something. I was like <laughs> payment communications. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, so your your work with Muhammad was like in that. I think we're calling him Roy. Yeah. Your work with Roy was in that 2005 like eight eight nine month deployment. Yeah, it was. And our relationship, um, you know, we made a promise to each other while we were there that uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna be with each other. We made all kinds of promises. We've we've hit a bunch of those promises but uh yeah we we talked to each other after that through email and sometimes he would call me if he could you know um but you know i got i got to get the hell out of there you know he he had to stay there so he was there with the team that replaced me you know so if you think about it in those you know yeah roy was there seven plus years during just uh, a tumultuous time yeah well let's talk about the day you two met 
You remember Shit, how you met? I, I know this sounds like a first date kind of question, but <laughs> <laughs> tell us about that day. Do you remember it? Yeah, I looked so cute in that dress. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now they tell him you were wearing. Yeah, I, no, really. I, I was there. We changed a couple units. So for me, it's like an, another unit. Like you are staying there, and the unit replaced. And and uh, uh, very ironically, like I'm part of the equipment. They pass it to other people. So mm. we got this minute when they replace that. It's a brief introduction. This is your truck, this is your office, and this is your translator. So we have this quick uh, communication. And then they assigned me to a team. My younger brother was working with another team. And that's where they decided to take us out of Camp Fallujah. Remember? I mean, I, I've never, I never lived on Camp Fallujah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, I was in Camp Fallujah. So we go out and come back. We call the Mech. And there is another like, support camp next to it. And that's where we went out. And then we never saw the child holder. <laughs> no BX. So yeah, uh, and, and that's where uh, closer to the B village. B BX, BX is base exchange because yeah. they were with Marines. <laughs> oh, Marines yes. have bases, Army guys yeah. have posts. You can like go buy stuff. Yeah, well, it's, it's like military. Yeah, yeah. Except, yeah that's except, the, except for booze. There was probably no booze. Yeah, being that's where you go do shopping there. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> You can buy some sweet clothes there. Right? In our secrets. <laughs> yeah. Dresses. Yeah. No, it was so nice of them to do that for us. But yeah, uh, and uh, we just end up, the, the majority of our work really, it's uh, on the field. Like we are lucky when we come back. I'm like, yeah, that's a day off for us. <laughs> so <laughs> going back to the camp. So you were translating for Justin and a couple other guys, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And did Justin give you the direction most of the time or were all three guys telling you? I mean, so, Nick is in charge of the team, so... You know, it's, it's a team offer, yeah. really. I mean, sometimes I get direction even from the gunner, from uh, uh, Josh. Josh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I forgot his name. I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> Is Josh going to listen to this? Yeah, I love right. yeah, <laughs> this. Guy, sure this guy's amazing. He just, he just retired. Congratulations, man. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So he did 20? I think he did more than 20. Oh, wow. I'm not 100% on that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, Joshua McKay. Yeah. But So yeah. you guys would celebrate when you came back uh, every, every day? Like... Just because just you'd survive? It depends. Sometimes we get into massive... Like, honestly, man, we get into massive arguments. When we first met each other, we hated each other. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Well, like I'm that. laughing really hard, yeah. harder than Daniel because when I when I brought up Muhammad's name to you in our conversation earlier this week, you immediately said, yeah, he's my brother. You mm -hmm. immediately said that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, uh, and that's how things are progress, man. He gave me a hard time. My accent, <laughs> different culture. Uh, we have a joke here always. He always make a joke of my mom, and that irritated the hell out of me. I used to, I call it one I time, take it I super seriously, really, and he's messing with He's me. just messing with you. Yeah. I was really pissed off at him one time, and I was like, man, you son of a bitch. And he... He flipped his shit on me, man. Let me tell you. He said, no one calls my mother a bitch. And I was like, oh, man, I didn't mean it that way, dude. I'm sorry. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, no, I think at first we, we argued a lot. And you got to put yourself put yourself in, in my shoes. I got there, you know, interpreters were actually uh, turning against soldiers uh, because their families would get paid. Um, I had a very, you know, reserved, you know, center when I first got there because I, I didn't want to to deal with all that, you know? And I already knew I was walking into having to have an interpreter, um, and I was worried about it, you know, I was. Um, I, all my stuff is in there. He sits right next to AT4, you know, right behind Man. his head, you know I mean? He's got all the grenades in the back, and you know, these things played in my mind, you know? Um, and, you, and you didn't know him, right? No, you got over there. No, yeah. I didn't know him, and he didn't know me, you know? And we, you know, I would say for the first month or so, we, man, we, 
we were like little girls, man. Like, get off me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. We were. Like, it wasn't that that bad, but it was. And, and we I hear remember stories. Sometimes. There are some people did bad things. Like, there was a translator in another camp in Mosul. This guy, he, he walked inside the chow hall and uh, uh, blow himself. So, yeah. what's, it's crazy. I mean, uh, yeah, I was, there, I was, there were guys from a unit I, I was in in the yeah. Virginia Army National Guard that actually perished that day in that chow yeah. hall. It, yeah. it was crazy, man. I mean, for me, as a, as a translator, I can't even trust the other translators. Right. And uh, I can't trust anyone I talked in the street. I can't trust anybody back home. Mm. So for me, the only place I'm really safe and I feel I'm part of it is the unit I work with. And uh, this unit gone. Now there is another unit coming in. Yeah, you, and, had, you and, had to go through that every, yeah, every so, time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. the only place where you feel safe, really, with, with the people you work. And basically, you adopt their mission. I mean, we are here for a reason. Um, I screwed up. I did the job. And there is no backup from this point. I mean, you can't just quit and find another job. Right. Now you are a bad person. So, uh, yeah, we went through ups and downs. But uh, by the time, I think, uh, as we go out and we interact with people and I tell them exactly what's happening culturally, body language, I mean, uh, different things. And I tell them, hey, guys, be careful. There is something here, something there. I don't want to get into the details. But uh, in, in many cases, that's how you, uh, you, you have to walk to earn their trust and their respect. Yeah. And, and the same thing, they have to work to earn my respect to them too. Because yeah, works both people, ways. Yeah. yeah, many people I worked with, I don't respect what they do. But uh, after all, we, we really uh, get along together. Like uh, uh, Nick Jordan, our uh, sergeant, he, was, uh, he, he just don't have to worry about it. He just tell me the message and he, that's it, he done. I got it from there. Yeah. I ask a question, how do you want to do this? How do you want to do that? Uh, when he drives, just sometimes I drive, and when he drives, I tell him, man, be careful, this left side, I know what's happening there. So having this information collectively as a team, we would work like one person. Yeah. But, but not right away. The first month or so was not like that, sounds like. But I think that, you know, what he, exactly what Roy's saying right now is that when he, he has to deal with this every time, yeah. you know? You, you know, you could tell, like, the guys that were replacing me, I know them. You know, I know them from back and forth Bragg. It's a very small community. So the people that are coming to replace you, you know who they are. Um, so you're able to communicate with them. And, and you know, the people that were replacing us, um, they, I just told them how much, you know, the trust bill, because that was a big issue. I didn't, I didn't get a uh, download when I got there right. like that, you know? Yeah. So we were able to spend like a week with the other team, which was really good. And so I think as time goes on, you'll be able to not have that untrust going on. Yeah. You know, but yeah, look at us now. Yeah, now you guys live in the same neighborhood, right? Yeah. How far away do you live from each other? Mile. Two minutes, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. So if you did a direct line, yeah, maybe like a mile and a half. Yeah. If you want to drive, that's two hours. <laughs> got a couple of lights in between us. You know, you got the one eye at home. If you can one eye at home, you're pretty close. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So, so were you involved, Justin, in getting Roy back to the States? No. Actually, uh, Barack Obama, as president, uh, passed this thing for interpreters um, of his kind that you know could gain access to a green card. So, uh, no, not at all. But when he got here, um, we linked up immediately. We were just talking about it on the way here. Like, I was like, man, when was that? And I think it was like 2012. I think yeah, you said yeah, it March. Was in March 2012. Yeah. When you got to the states or got yeah. to Virginia? March 1st, I got to the states. I went to Raleigh for a couple of weeks, and uh, I 
I kind of lost your phone number in the process, but he got me on Facebook, uh, and that's how we exchanged phone numbers. And uh, he was like, well, you got to leave everything and come over. So I just came to visit, mm. literally. I came there for a weekend to visit, and uh, he managed to be free that weekend. <laughs> so it, uh, I, I got a job like within a couple of weeks oh, yeah. of coming to the States. He mm. helped me with my first job. I was working for the same foundation he worked for. And uh, I, I never really struggled when I come over. Yeah. It took me two weeks to get the job, and uh, from job to job, and just kept moving on. Can you believe how lucky mm. uh, Americans are? How lucky we are to live here? Uh, we always talk about it. We always talk about it, man. Like, I, I go there, if, if I lose my job today, I guarantee to you I'll get a job tomorrow. Yep. It's just how willing you to get it. So we are lucky, we are so fortunate, I love it. Opportunities all over the place. So I know where you're heading with this one. Like some people, they don't appreciate it, but that's got a lot to do with what we used to here, mm -hmm. right? But yeah, like look at Justin. He went all over the world. He saw what people doing. Look what he's doing when he come back. You guys talking to the culinary head chef in Colonial Williamsburg Foundation. <laughs> he worked hard for this. <laughs> There's right, two others like me. <laughs> let's talk about food for a second, because I'm yeah. a, I'm six four two eighty probably. You're not six four two eighty. You're you're pretty relative to me. You're pretty small. Yeah. But you probably enjoy more food. Yeah. Than I do. Well, I love I love food in general. I love the thought of you know the ideas of food, uh, the concepts of food, different types of food, flavors, all kinds of things. I love cooking um, a lot more than I like eating. I usually, uh, I usually. That's where it is. I like the eating more than cooking. Yeah, that's, I usually cook for problem. everybody. Uh, I'll cook, and everybody's eating. Yeah. And I go outside and. That's the point. This is why we always are close. I'm the guy who <laughs> eat that food. <laughs> yeah, I love love cooking. Uh, it's, it was a passion, um, completely opposite of the job I was doing in the army, obviously. But um, if it wasn't for the army. Um, there was a lot of things that the army helped me understand about culture and food, and that's what drove me into it. Um, but growing up, I had to cook for me and my sister a lot. My mom would work two jobs, yeah. you know, um, single mom, and I would cook dinner. Um, I would cook with her. I would cook with my grandmother, my nanny, um, and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with it at a young age, but even more so um, doing it with different cultures, you mm. know. I had, I mean, just in Iraq alone, you know, food was just, I mean, we ate garbage, you know? I hated it. So we would stop anywhere to get food. And, and by garbage, I mean like MREs. It wasn't that bad, you know, but it was just not good. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> so, MREs are meant to give you calories so you can yeah. go all day. And they're, yeah. and they're meant to uh, constipate you, frankly. That's what it feels like, yeah. you know? Well, that's absolutely what's going on. Well, they didn't, they didn't constipate me, I can tell you that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a little pop-out uh, toilet, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, We would just pull over somewhere. It had a little tent to it. You have little baggies, you just go in. Throw them on. Yeah. No, but um, so food was, was for real, man. I learned so much about, you know, a culture that you just, you learn about the culture, but you don't learn about the culture, you know? Yeah. Music, food, um, books, thoughts all kinds of things and food was that that glue me and him would get food i would get massive amounts 20 bucks you could get food for a freaking 
whole battalion, you know, it was just like tons of food. Yeah. And so we would get chicken and rice, kebabs, um, and wraps, bread. I love the bread. So yeah, food, I've just fell in love with it. Yeah. It wasn't always the, the safest for you guys to go after getting food, right? No, no. Um, you know, I, I could tell you, I could tell you a funny stories. It's not too funny. It wasn't funny then. It's funny now, mm. you know, but, uh, you know, we went off backside of, uh, base one time and, you know, there was nobody, there was no one there when we walked off of there and, uh, we went and got some food that we were going to cook with one of the, um, other interpreters was teaching me how to make this chicken and rice dish. So we went in there and I realized it was just me and two interpreters, you know, and all of our heads are worth, well, I think mine was maybe $10,000 more on the streets. I don't remember. And you were wearing... Give like, yourself a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I realized that we were alone, and I was like, man, forget about it. Let's just get this done, and, and we'll get back on there. And uh, we went in there, and I turned around, and there's a, a crowd forming by the store, and, you know, Roy's out there saving my ass as usual, and um, I'm in there being a, <laughs> a dum-dum, and we finally get the food, and we get back on base, and man, I was sweating. Yeah, Sweat. you should have been. Yeah. Were you guys yeah, wearing, like, army fatigues? Like, yeah. Oh, we were wearing everything, you know. We so were, it was, like, very we were, obvious. We were practicing. Everything was safe. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, we were, yeah, we, we wore everything. We were out there fully locked and loaded, but I didn't. I thought it was, you know, it was going to be quick. I figured someone was by the guard tower, you know. So you both had a price on your head. Who, who was paying that if somebody actually killed you? Um, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, uh, like kill them and I will pay you later type of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, pay was, your family. Was the interpreter like considered more or an American soldier? I think they're saying American soldier. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Roy was saying Justin's bragging. Yeah, I mean, you, it, have, you, you, have, you have a unit. Let's say you have 10 soldiers going in the street and there is one translator, which is obvious. You either have no weapons or you have a speaker like me. So... Uh, if you take that person out, what's going to happen to this 10 on the ground? If you take the translator, literally, you take their communication. Yeah. Yeah, so this is why soldiers are more important. <laughs> of course. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, some interpreters were really worth more than others, if I'm not mistaken, because if you, if you were an interpreter for... So, you know, we had, um, you know, Sergeant Major, you know, mm-hmm. on the ground or whatever... Uh, for the Marines, and then they had their, you know, what was they, uh, their captains and all. They had direct interpreters with them. Right. And sometimes those interpreters would be worth just as much as a regular soldier. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Because they're communicating with the, the, the guy who's going to command yeah. X number of people. Yeah. Right? I mean, so for, for the enemy, every life is, uh, is it's valuable for them, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take one person there's weapon down, and uh, as a translator, we are just part of that team. So, yeah, you want to take their equipment, their resources, and that's that's what they do. So, yeah, many translators we lost it during the action. People I worked with, and uh, it, it give you this hidden thought like maybe next time it's gonna be me. Same thing yeah. you think, right? When <laughs> you go out. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's one team going down there, and there is a war zone around you, and uh, it's not who's the translator or who's soldier. Mm-hmm. It's who's going to come back home today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you lived that experience for nine months, so just like every day being anxious. Uh, you know, after a while, you get kind of used to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, at first, I think the anxiety is there, and then, you know, a couple, 
couple of months into it, um, you start to understand the feeling, and then you, you, co- know, you cope with it. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah, it messes with you a little bit, you know. And but you know, you think of things. You know, you got. I had my mom and um, my wife. Now I'd be able to call and and talk to. And my mom would send me stuff. I mean, I swear, I think she sent me stuff like every day, a yeah. letter or you know, just anything, care packages, um, all that meant a lot. Yeah, she was probably anxious every day too while you yeah, were going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, what you consider a mama's boy, you know. I'm a mama's boy too. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah, I love, love to love her. Um, she's she's awesome. But she she would literally just you know rain the love on, and I kind of started talking to my so me and my wife now we we met each other in high school, but we didn't start talking until I was in Iraq, like talking that way. I went to both of my proms with her. But when I say both, like my junior prom and then her junior prom, and that's how we did it at our school. So I was a senior when she was a junior. She was a sophomore when I was a junior. So we've been talking, but not in, in, that, kind of, in that kind of way until I was in Iraq and we started talking. She broke up with her boyfriend. And so uh, we started talking. And that's how we, they would help me get through. So, so you dated, you started dating your now wife when you were in Iraq. Um, really, we started talking, but um, I'm a little faster than she is, so I had to take her out on dates and do things like that. Uh, <laughs> but you were ready, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was ready. Yeah. No, uh, we knew each other. She knew me. I knew her. Um, so we didn't really start dating until I got back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of hard to start dating when you're in Fallujah, but <laughs> yeah, I, I know d- some d- places d- though. I was, d- <laughs> <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was dating, I was dating my best friend. <laughs> oh man! All right, so let's go back to food real quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, your mom, your wife, your kids, Roy—you're gonna cook for them. What do you? What's your uh, your go-to awesome meal you cook for them? You know, it's what I, my mood is, honestly. Um, I'll be thinking about stuff all week or, you know, if we're doing football, um, what's the occasion? I mean, we just did a whole lamb out back mm. um, not too mm. long ago. Mm. Um, that was, I forget what we did that for. What did we do that for? That's, uh, I don't know, it was a spontaneous yeah. thing. After yeah, so we, we finished working in our house, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I think so. But we, we set up this whole, like, thing out back, and we had, you know, this was during... When COVID first started, we had like I don't know forty something people there. Yeah. I probably shouldn't. shouldn't I mean, there was a fire, so it's safe environment. Yeah, but in the backyard's big. Everyone's socially distanced, wearing their masks. Yeah. You know. What I mean? No. Uh, so so it's all dependent on what we're feeling, what we've talked about that week. Um, everyone always asks that question before anyone asks it today. What's your favorite thing to cook? There is no. I have know, to. Yeah, yeah. There is. That's not. You know, it's not real um, for chefs. They, there is no favorite thing to cook. It's it's a feeling. It's a it's a sense of what's around you, um, and who you're cooking for. You know, um, my family is Italian, Puerto Rican. Uh, they they like eating. They like eating that. A lot, lot of pasta. A lot of pasta. I try to. I it's so much sometimes. You know. So I've been trying to mix in. I love cooking. You know, you know, regional Italian cuisine with. You know, um, Asian regional Asian cuisine. Whether it's I like learning about Chinese cuisine or anything I'm learning, I'll just start cooking it and trying to grasp that. Yeah. So uh, my whole family comes in. There's a lot of people that live in Williamsburg now. Uh, our families are growing. My sister's got 
My sister's got four kids and she's married. My brother's got three kids. He's married. Roy's got three kids. He's about to be married. Yeah, I have to remind him, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have the date? When, when are you getting married? Uh, we planning for this coming October. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So because of the COVID and everything, yeah, so yeah, yeah, push yeah. It away. That's exciting. Big, yes. big wedding or kind of it's small, the, intimate. It's a small family wedding. <laughs> and when I say family, is what he just mentioned. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's it grows bigger too. So that's yeah. that's our family. But then we have really close friends. Um, so our house is like a, it's like a central meeting place. I guess I don't know. We have a, a lot of really close friends, and it kind of. Um, you know, pulls into it, and that's when we'll end up having big parties, we stuff like that. So, all right, Super Bowl uh, party in a normal year. What what are you making? Um, so what we do is whatever team we have people bringing stuff, and uh, so for Super Bowl, whatever team's playing, you have to bring something that represents one of those teams. So I'll write out a full menu um, with no items on it, just who's bringing what. So appetizers, drinks, uh, cocktails. Um, all kinds of things. So we'll we'll do it in like this year. We had people, you know, Tampa Bay. Uh, I forget. The, uh, the Super Bowl champs, right? Tampa Bay, I think, won the Super Bowl. <sighs> yeah, did they? Yeah. They needed Tom Brady, Todd <laughs> Bowles. They needed a whole slew of things to win. They needed uh, Couldn't all do of it, it with Jameis Winston. Uh, trust me, brother. I'm a uh, Jameis Winston uh, not fan. Whatever really? the, the opposite of not fan or I, I being like, a fan is. I like Jameis Winston. I think he athletically needed, he's great, but yeah. he, you can't throw 33 picks and, and win a Super Bowl. Can you really? I mean, I, you ever heard of someone called Brett Favre? You know, I, I mean, I'm just throwing out that he could have, but they didn't. I don't mm. think they had. I don't think they had. He, this is a Jets fan. To... Let's let's get the audience straight here. He's a Jets fan. Keep going, Justin. Okay, so <laughs> I've been a Jets fan since I was really young, since I could remember. Jets, Yankees. I've been to a lot of Jets games. Been to a lot of Yankees games. I lived in Queens. I went to a lot of Mets games too, uh, but uh, the Jets have always been. I mean, I used to love Boomer Esiason when I was little. Oh, man. Boomer was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Jets were good back then. I met Boomer Sison one time at a radio shack in Queens. Um, one of the people that my mom worked with, uh, he knew about it. And, you know, told my mom he's bringing me somewhere special. And my mom was like, what, what are you bringing him, you know? And, and so he was like, don't worry about it when I got him. So we went over there. He bought me a hat. Um, and then we went and I met Boomer Sison. He signed a picture for my mother. She still has it. And then a hat for me. Um uh, and I got to talk to him for a second, so I was like, it was really awesome. I loved him and Johnny Mitchell, like, a lot. What position did Mitchell play? Uh, he was a tight end. Yeah. Yeah. And tight end wide receiver. And so he was, these guys were like. Boomer was cool man. that day? Oh, yeah, man. He's, he he seems awesome. like a cool guy. He's so nice. He was yeah. just so nice to me, yeah. Um, and I was little. I was all nervous, you know. That was pretty cool. I'd be nervous now meeting Boomer Sison. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he now, I don't know, he, he was in his. He was in his game then. Yeah, know? he was the man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's when the Jets were really winning maybe 500, you know, so that was, that was pretty good for us. <laughs> that, was, that was a great year, 500. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, who's a better quarterback, Boomer, Esaison, or Phil Simms? I mean, that, I think it depends on how you define a better quarterback. I don't know, for it's, me. It's however you want to define it. For me, I mean, I'm going to say Boomer, Esaison. Yeah, I would say Boomer. You're yeah. a Jets fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Boomer has... You know, he got the ugly stick, you know what I mean? Bengals, Jets. Mm. You know, I think Phil Sims. When you're you really know, good, you end up playing for the not-so-great teams. Yes, yeah. that's what happens. I mean, look what look what just happened to um, Joe Burrow. I mean, 
I call it right from the get-go with my brother. Me and my brother talk sports all the time. You know, like, you're putting this poor kid out there um, in his first year with no line, you know. Um, I figured he was going to get hurt way faster. Yeah. Uh, They should have left him, put in somebody. Whoever. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody but him. Until you build that lineup. But anyway, yeah, that's what that's what happens to these guys. So. Yeah, it's it's actually ridiculous. Yeah. You've done extremely well. Like you're you're good enough to be picked first overall in the NFL draft, and you go to the worst team in the NFL. Yes, that's it. It seems backwards. It's it's horrible. But there's rumors the Jets might be picking up certain individuals. Trade off Sam Darnold. Who knows what's going to happen. I don't know. Well, let me let me say something about the Bengals anyway. I can't say it for the Jets. So I have a buddy of mine who's he lives in the Cincinnati metro area, and he said, "I my favorite team is the Bengals because I live here, but I know my ownership group will never spend enough money to actually win a Super Bowl. They'll spend just enough to get profit sharing done, but they won't go beyond that. And so you end up having an, an awful offensive line, and you're bringing in the best quarterback from." Uh, the college ranks, and they get hurt in week nine or whatever happened to Joe. Yeah. I, it's it's hard. I wonder what's going to happen this year. If the, what, you know, teams like Jacksonville are going to do. Seriously, Daniel loves this conversation. Yeah. Well, and, and Roy. <laughs> Roy, are you, are you enjoying uh, well, this? Actually, He's getting better. He's uh, getting better. Yeah, I listened to this conversation back in Fallujah. <laughs> <laughs> he was always talking about the Jets and all stuff, and uh, I don't know. Do you remember that when he said uh, – he promised me one day he will buy me a ticket and take me to the Jets and Giants. <laughs> yeah. Remember? Yeah, but we didn't. That get... was that was like in two thousand, uh, like late two thousand five or early two thousand. Yeah, we we yeah, went yeah. we went to we went to New York and went to the Jets game. Mm. But, real quick though, did you go to a Jets game? Yeah, I mean when we talk about it, it was a Fallujah war, so uh, yeah. I just forgot about it, and he surprised me. I was like, oh, last wow. year. He yeah. surprised me. He actually bought the ticket and he rented the That's car. That's awesome, man. And we went. So I've been recruited and getting paid now to be Jets fan. So, <laughs> so is that your team? You're a Jets fan? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, it's unfortunate that Somebody the guy, buy the the guy you, for me. I have to support them. It's unfortunate <laughs> that the guy you gravitated to is a Jets fan. That's you know what, though? It's you. about the love. You know, we're not bandwagon fans. No, know. that's great. I, that's I, right. I love and appreciate that. I mean, yeah. you can use it as a market, and they should pay you for this, really. Like, I survived war because Jets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm, trying to look up, I'm trying to look up that picture of me, you, on this bus. So, so let's, while he's looking that up, let's be clear. The Jets have won one Super Bowl, and that was 52 years ago. Right? Uh, <laughs> I don't, we don't have to bring that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not. See, I don't look for Super Bowls. You know what? What are you looking for? For me, I'm I'm looking for, you know, nine nine and seven season. Yeah, pretty much. If we break ten games, mm. all right, you know, or make the playoffs in general. I, I'm a Bucks fan. So here's a quick story. My son's 19. When uh, they won the Super Bowl back in '03, he was only a year and a half old. He doesn't remember it, and he said, "Dad." Before the playoffs started this year, and we knew we were going to make the playoffs, he goes, "Dad, I've never seen us win a playoff game. I'm 19." I've never seen my favorite team win a playoff game. And then obviously we won four straight in our Super Bowl chance. But he didn't think he was going to live to see a Super Bowl. Well, I wouldn't, you know, I, I'm hoping that I see one. Even if we make it, even if we make it and don't win, I don't know. I've thought about that before. The Jets I would be with Joe Namath won Super Bowl three, And, I, and I'm not 69. trying to be. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I was, I was one year old the last time the Jets won the Super Bowl. <laughs> 
God, you're really, you're really driving it in. <laughs> I, I'm a Yankees fan though too. Let's, let's switch. The, let's switch the. And we can talk about their 27 or 28 or 29 championships. Yeah, they, they're the opposite of the Jets. Yeah. yeah. Well, but the but the Jets. I don't think the Jets are spending money the way they should to, no. to get the right no. team on the field. No, I think they were, and you know when Rex Ryan was there, but um, everyone has this thing about Rex Ryan. I, I loved him. I he, he, he was, was good for them. Yeah, I he thought was he was really fantastic. He's exactly the kind of coach you need in New York. Yep. Um, you either have him or a Tom Coughlin, and that's what you you got. <laughs> Those are the two opposites you need mm-hmm. to be a coach in New York, and I think that he was doing the right thing. He was building that defense, build the offensive line. All they needed to do was um, that second year or third year, switch out Mark Sanchez, yep. um, provide weapons to whoever that quarterback's going to be. Um, and I thought they were on the right track, and I think Todd Bowles is a great coach. Yep. Um, I love him. I think he I think he did awesome in that Super Bowl, you know, defensive coordinating. Oh, that, the oh, de- defense won the game. Yeah. yeah. I loved every second of it. I'm full-on defense lover. So, I, you know, Todd Bowles I loved when he came, but he, he's too soft-spoken, I think, for New York. So you move forward to Adam Gase was just a joke. You know, yeah, I, the, I you're, you're basically telling the rest of the league you, you're not trying to win yes. when you hire Gase. I, I, no one even believed it. I, as, as a fan, you're just like, we're not trying. If yeah. I'm a fan of the Jets, I'm like, we're not even trying right yeah. now. I think that that's when we actually went and saw the Jets, which sucks. But hopefully with um, – oh, what's his name? Is, uh, San Francisco's defensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, I, Seha? Se, I think it's Seha. I can't really pronounce his name. That's why I was like – Salah. Salah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And so with him with him there, I think he's already doing – he's already making big moves. And they're not looking – they're not looking at uh, a lot of their, you know, draft picks that they're talking about. It looks like they're going for weapons. Yeah. Um, so in weapons and lines. So we'll see what happens. Salah's a legitimate hire. I think the, so. Now the Jets are saying we want to win. Yeah. 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 They, but they weren't with Gase. There's no, no question. Are, are the Jets the only uh, football team in New York? Giants. Giants and Buffalo Bills. This is where we remind our listening audience that Daniel didn't uh, really grow up. In the I, was, I thought Giants were San Francisco, but that's the baseball team. That's yeah, the baseball team. Right. Well. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so Jets Giants is that like a, a rivalry? Like, do you do you like the Giants too? No, they they share the same stadium. They yeah. actually play in the same place. They play once once a year, at least once a year um, during a preseason game, and then maybe during the regular season. Me and my brother, my brother's a, a Giants and Mets fan, so I mean, I can't really. I've got no ground to talk, you know. So I. What, what, what do you mean? His team wins. Oh, you know, they, I, see. <laughs> I mean, they beat an undefeated Patriots. Uh, a, an yeah, the Patriots, team. The Patriots are eighteen and zero going into that Super Bowl, and the Giants yeah. beat them. Yeah. yeah, might have been luck or whatever, but it, it they beat still them. won. Time. Yeah, and so I, you know, my brother's got more bragging rights than the Patriots do. Patriots fans do, and it, that's just from. I like the Giants too, but that's just there's no uh, there's no rivalry. I see. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So y'all went to the game uh, pre-COVID, right? Uh, yeah, pack, yeah, pack, yeah. Was, pack, 2019, I guess. With yeah. Stan's pack. Who who did the Jets play? I was trying to think of the Giants. Jets. They played the Giants. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Oh, I didn't you weren't the one that. who bought the tickets. I know. I, I mean, <laughs> no, we were I drinking was... pretty heavily the whole time. I don't know. You know. Um, <laughs> who won? Do you remember who won? Uh, Jets. Jets won. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I got. I won that day. So that was a promise that you made, like way back in, in Fallujah, and yeah. then you ended up. Uh, were, were there any others like that? That, yeah, um, he never been to a beach before, a proper beach. So he'd seen a lot of sand, but yeah. never been to a proper. beach. Yeah, I mean, we are not allowed to go to the beach in Iraq. So. <laughs> I took him. I took him to. We Virginia don't have beach. ocean access from there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you do not. I took him to the beach. 
Um, Which beach? Uh, Virginia Beach. It's actually um, the Hilton. That's um, right on right on Virginia Beach. Yep. We ate in that restaurant. He had raw oysters for the first time. That was weird, um, right? And we that took, is weird. But he, he <laughs> found a way to make it. That we went, we went vodka. We took vodka oyster shooters, you know, mm-hmm. with a little oh, yeah. bit of hot sauce on there. And then um, we, he went outside and ran into the water and we just sat yeah, there for a minute. Was, that was a day. Yeah. It was summertime, right? Yeah. And we yeah. both don't remember yeah. the rest of the story, just so you know. <laughs> I do. We put a dollar bill at the Sandbridge uh, restaurant. That's where I got married at with Sandbridge, but obviously he couldn't be there uh, when I got married. So we went back out there and, you know, we had some yeah. hot wings. And He also promised me to take me to his father because uh, he always talked yeah. about his father. So we end up going to Kenny's house <laughs> in South Carolina. It's an amazing place. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah. And it's cool. You'll, you'll get to be at his wedding now. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You are not inviting me. To <laughs> <laughs> but he's yeah, taking you right. to New York to the he's, Jets game. He's my best man. <laughs> yeah. No, I think we're doing. You know, we got to set up a trip to Maine too. That's where my wife's family's from, so it'll be fun to go up there. So, are you going to have family come over at all, or they're not able to come over? No, they're not. Uh, yeah. yeah, coming over from Middle East to <laughs> to the States it's, for a wedding is not a good excuse to get a visa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. That stinks. I, at least not right now. I mean, I do yeah. have a give family it, here. Give it six I have months. my brother in uh, North Carolina. Hopefully he make it. You get to see him a lot, your brother? Yes, yes. we always in touch. He, he went through the same thing we went through, different team, different stories. But uh, he's doing great. And, he, uh, he's the one that was the interpreter first. Yes, and when he came back here, he ended up going back as interpreter. And now he's actually... Like have more security clearance. He got top secret. He's like considered cat three. Mm. So uh, he spent many years. Even when he's been American, he spent many years back in Middle East. Yeah, that's cool. Wow. You guys have a really strong bond. Who? You two. Oh, you me and him. You and Roy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe. <It's weird>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we do. I mean, my kids call him Uncle Roy. You know, um, it's it's real. It's awesome, man. Yeah, it yeah. really is. It's it crazy. Is. We have, it's, it's not it's something you take it for granted, I'm telling you. Yeah. All right, so what's your favorite meal that he cooks? Well, I'll, I'll turn it around. Have yeah. you answer that question? Yeah, there is occasionally when there is no plan, nothing. You know, this is a spontaneous moment. Uh, we hang in his garage, and he just come up from nowhere. Do you guys want wings? <laughs> and that's the best wings you can have in your life. Really? Yeah, when he drunk and he having so much fun. <laughs> he take his time, and by the time the ones is ready, I'm sleeping. But <laughs> but that's the best way. So whatever he put on that grill, I'm on. All right, so let's talk about the, the, those wings. What, how do you prepare them? I'm trying to learn here. Yeah, can you remember how you prepare them? <laughs> <laughs> well, if I do, I like frying wings. So uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll bread them up and, you know, I marinate them for a little bit and um, fry them up and you could use anything you want you know yeah. and then I bread them up and I fry them I like my wings fried extra hard you know so I fry them up and then make whatever sauces and the sauces or whatever condiments I got I, I figure them out yeah. do a sweet one middle of the road and a hot one and then fry them up I let them sit there get nice and crispy skin side up toss them in there um, and then smoking them I'll let them if we're smoking them on the grill or whatever I'll just you know put dry dry rub on them for like uh 
you know, two to mm. 24 hours. Mm. And I slap them on there and just smoke them, mm. you know, an hour and 15, hour and a half, depending on how long it takes. But you have like an, a smoker grill or? Yeah, it's it's one of those Brickman. Okay. You know, I love them. They're simple. You put the smoke over here, you know, charcoal. Yeah. And it's big enough where you can slide over meats and cook them low and slow, slide them closer. Yeah. So, it's, it's hardly it. sounds spontaneous. You know, you're talking about hour 15, like two to 24 hours of this. Yeah. Like, well, but he can, he can do both. He can do the 24 hour one and he also just yeah, rips up. Yeah. Like if I'm, if I'm just sitting there, you know what I mean? And we're like, yo, let's cook something. I'm like, pew. You know, nice. it is what it is. We'll just put a quick marinade on it or something. So when you got out of the army, did you immediately get into uh, cooking? Yeah. Yeah. So when I left, when I left the army, I, Decided to go to culinary school at Le Cordon Bleu in Dover, New Hampshire. Um, so I told you about my wife, and uh, we we basically the reason why I got out of the army is because I I wanted to be with her, um, and I had to, why a lot of guys get out of the army. Yeah, yeah, I had to make that choice. I think you know if I would have stayed in, I don't think we would have been you know together, you know. And so I kind of thought about that, and so I decided. I decided to, when I was deployed to Thailand, to kind of look at things and figure it out because I don't think that we would have been able to make it through another Thailand, you know? Yeah. It was deep. Um, you come back, every deployment, you come back a different person. You know, yeah. you're just different every single time. And that growth period without each other, it crumbles relationships. Even if people stay together, you, you'll notice that they're not the same. It's hard. And it takes yeah. a long time to build that back. So I, I didn't want to... I didn't want to do that to her. I didn't want to do that to me. I don't think it's fair for her for me to, you know, be away and her just have to wait. So mm-hmm. I decided to get out and I decided to, you know, I wanted to pursue a career in um, hospitality as a chef. So I went to culinary school in Dover, New Hampshire. I started working there at a restaurant um, while going to school. And so that was it. So did you work like mostly nights? I did. When you first, when you start off in this industry, starting off is really time. You know, it's, people can go to school, they think they're going to get out and do this, that. No, it's time. You have to invest time. And uh, it's a lot of, you know, hard, hard work is working off the clock, uh, long hours. Uh, Sometimes you're there until midnight, you know, two o'clock in the morning, prepping for the next day. Um, Then you get in there, sometimes it's eight to 12 to two, uh, and you're just working. No. You work all the time, sometimes six days a week, seven days a week. Sometimes you get two days off a month, um, especially when you're first starting off. Yeah. Did that, did that wear it out at all for you? Like, you, you know, you love cooking, but doing it like all hours of the day, five days a week, like did that kind of... Sometimes, you know, but for the most time, like for the most part, it's just your mind is just so focused. I mean, time elapses, you know, it's just... You don't know where it goes. A year goes by, two years go by, and you know, and you keep moving up this this ladder quickly. Mm. You know, the harder you work, the the results are there. You know, it's like the harder you work, the more you get. You know, so you just keep on. It's just a constant drive. So you get you get a little bit frustrated with it at times, but for the most part, you're, just, you're driven. Nice. Yeah. And so the, you started out working at a restaurant while you're going to school. Like, what what is that ladder kind of? You're now. What's your title now? Like um, right now, I'm executive chef. Of sounds badass. He's a baller. Yeah. yeah. No, no. It's it, there's there's a couple of guys. We're all in the same level, um, and we oversee different areas. Um, the property's huge, so we it, we're split up um, mm-hmm. into different silos, but we work together very well. Uh, and we, you know, 
as you as you so when you're starting when I was working at that restaurant while I was going to school I was a dishwasher starting off and um, so you imagine I, I got out of the military and I'm just like I'm like 196 pounds at the time just solid muscle just over there I was like you're, you're bad <laughs> wash it yes wash the dishes given so those dishes was, the business yeah. yeah it was pretty it was pretty like I looking looking back on it I would always just you know I was a maniac I was just washing dishes going out to like 2 or 3 in the morning coming back doing my school work until like 4 getting 2 hours of sleep going to school you know and it was it was a constant party and battle it was difficult when I first got out no doubt but I kept myself busy so you start off there and then you continue to uh, move into like a salad cook, fry cook, and saute and grill. Um, and then you go, I went into another restaurant in Portsmouth, which is like 30 minutes away from where I lived. And, you know, we would do that there. And then when my schooling was done, my externship came available. I decided to go to Colonial Williamsburg. Um, and so I went down there for my externship and, and I stayed there. Um, I loved it there. The... The people, I mean, there's so much that that place has done for me personally and for my family. Uh, if it wasn't for Colonial Williamsburg, I mean, we wouldn't all be here. Yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah. Um, so it provided work, constant work, um, and just constant moving up. So, so you've been there a while. Yeah, I've been there since 2008. Yeah, wow. Yeah, 2008, so 12 years. But you're not doing uh, crazy six, seven day weeks now. No, I mean, I mean, obviously with COVID and everything, it's difficult. There's not as much, not as much work and everything. But we're, we're trying to save as much as possible and you know be conscious of the business. Um, so no, it's not like it used to be um, with crazy hours and everything right now. But I'm sure it will get back there. Yeah, <laughs> and you don't so. mind, and you don't mind that. Um, no, no. Sometimes it's sometimes you're like, man, I just want to be off, you know. But then. Most of the time, you just don't even realize it. Well, it just kind of goes. So mm-hmm. it, it would be hard for you to get here before the pandemic to do this recording with us. Oh yeah, if yeah. I, I think that honestly, I would have had to have zoom it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm glad that we. So another benefit yeah. of the pandemic, we we yeah. got Justin and uh, Roy here in person. <laughs> yeah, well, I was actually I was at William and Mary from 12 to 16. Um, so we were right next to each other for yeah. for a while. Uh, I, I, yeah, and, and I, I used to love taking walks through Colonial Williamsburg. Really? It's got a great vibe, yeah. Yeah, it really does. It's Especially, a, it, there's no place like it on Earth. Yeah. We really probably is. definitely crossed paths. Yeah, probably. I was at the crust all the time. The cr- yeah, <laughs> but it's gone now, right? Yeah, yeah, the crust is gone. I don't go out like I used to. I, when I first, when my son was first born, I mean, we used to go out. But Dude, yeah, there's those three bars in Williamsburg right on that corner. Yep. The, the Green Leaf, the crust. Uh, it's College Deli. Paul's, Paul's Deli. Paul, yeah, College and Deli. Brick House, too. Brick yeah, House Brick House, yeah. yeah. That's the one where all the townies would hang out. Maybe that's where yeah. you were. That's what, that's what no, the Brick House? Was. Yeah, yeah. My, my Brick House experiences are always like, you know, 10 or 11 at night and karaoke or something's happening and I start, you know, I'm already kind of flying and then, you know, I just <laughs> land yeah. right in to <laughs> some dancing or something. And they got these like... And Roy's just judging me the whole time. <laughs> Damn, I'm, I'm, I'm taking so, you home. I'm so bro. impressed you remember. Actually, when I go there, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I'll never forget like the paintings they have on the wall at Brick House. It's like these people that, but it's it's not really well done. It's like uncanny looking. You, yeah, you it's all community. Seen? It's they they're community driven. They were trying to. So you think about Brick House moved into there. They're competing with Paul's Deli. It's a staple that's been there, and they have pictures of all these people on the walls. You know, um, and then you got I met. 
Oh, good job. Apologies. No, it's all good. No, talk to him. Whoever that is, talk to him. Who who is it? Is it your wife? No. Or your fiance? It's the customer and the handgun on me. (laughs) Nice recovery. I think think they remember Saturday. I'm sorry, guys. No, that's fine. You're good. That's funny. Uh, By the way, this Williamsburg uh, dining conversation you guys are having, I'm calling Donnie, restaurant conversation. I now feel like you felt during the NFL. <laughs> well, okay. How about this? So I feel like you'd be a great candidate for Chopped. You know that show? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. something on the food network. Are they all executive chefs that come on? I, well, they're, they're, kind of, they're all kinds mm. from the food industry, I think. Have you seen I've, it? I've heard that. I've heard that a lot, you know, but I don't know. I, every time I watch it, I'm like, man. You, you know, that time restraint and stuff like that, you be able to do it. You could do good at it. You know, whatever. I, I like throwing things together. I'm really good at it. You know, you give me a few things. I love being creative like that. But, man, watching them just sweating and, you know, and then sometimes you got people that are high-profile chefs just slapping food together, you know? Yeah. Um, it seems like it's great entertainment, but from a chef's perspective, like, I wouldn't even serve half of that crap. You know what I mean? Like, even if it, if it was, if my dish was going up and it was like that, I would throw it in the trash and be like, you know, I, I'll cut myself. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't serve that, you know? And and there's certain, just to win $10,000, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's more of a game show than, like, a cooking show, yeah. That's my point. I I was watching the other day, and there was an executive chef versus, like, you know, someone who was just working in restaurants. It's really young. And, I mean, in my opinion, I was like, the, the executive chef's going to win, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I already felt it and knew it. And he obviously, he ended up winning, but just watching him put food up like that is demeaning to me you know oh you, I wouldn't you gotta respect that. the, the yeah. food yeah, yeah. If you, why serve something that you're not gonna serve to your mother you know what I mean um, so don't serve it so is there a cooking show that, that you would like like to be on I've heard of like Top Chef know. or other ones I think if I if think if something like Top Chef something like that would be really cool I mean that's hard it's really hard I mean um it's intense, but I think I would like to do something like that more so. Is it's more? It is like chopped a little bit, but more so. I mean, these guys are putting up really good food. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they got a little more time. Um, they get to work together in partners. There's more dynamics to it. Yeah, yeah. I I hung out with a guy that was um, on Top Chef in Richmond. He had a restaurant in Richmond, um, and we hung out, and it was just cool talking to him about the whole thing. He's nuts. Dang. Yeah. So, so um, is Colonial Williamsburg like your? Would could you see yourself there uh, for a long time, or do you have any kind of future goals as a chef? You know, I think right now I, I got to focus on raising my children. You know, and obviously there's things inside of the hospitality industry that I want to do, um, but you know, I think right now I just want to focus on raising my kids and making sure that they have a, a father and um, that's present mentally. So I, I think that that's where I, my focus is and with work. I want to focus on the, the business and, you know, growing that business. And right now I'll be with Cologne Leesburg until I feel it's not the right time. Nice. Let's, yeah. talk about, let's talk about your kids for a second. Yeah. Ages and names and... Yeah, so my son Camden is seven years old. Um, and my daughter is four, Natalia. Um, yeah, they're, they're wild as, as hell. Wide open, um, kind of like dad, but, maybe. Uh, my daughter is, yeah. My son is a little more reserved, like my wife, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot, it's different, you know. I when I was growing up, I didn't 
you know, I didn't have a father. Uh, so, you know, it's, I can tell from my, my own self when I'm doing something wrong or, you know, I think raising children is, is probably the hardest thing that I've done in my life. Um, and it's, it's difficult. You just, you're, every movement that you make, everything you say is super impactful. Uh, you don't realize it. Um, and it's difficult, you yeah. know. Um, but it's fun as hell, too, you know. Um, all of our kids get together, and they're, they're wild. and um, They're entertaining. They're, they're very entertaining. Super entertaining. Yeah, yeah, my kids are, my daughter is nuts, though. <laughs> does, she, does she know she's nuts? Yeah, yeah, she's she's super smart. Um, the, my son is just so chill. He just loves chilling with me. Like, I was chilling in the garage and hanging out with me and Uncle Floyd. He just sits there. It's cool. Know, he, acts, he pretends he's not listening to us, <laughs> you know, probably watching us take yeah. shots like we shouldn't, you know. <laughs> no, but I think I think just kids in general, I'm, I don't know. It's hard, but it's fun. He's he's way better father than I could ever imagine being, no, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, your your kids are older, right? Yeah, yeah they are. Uh, and, and they are amazing. I love them like uh, never really. Uh, I remember when I met them first time, uh, Jocelyn, she was like eight or nine years old. The other day we gave her car to drive. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I look at her and I was like, wow. <laughs> She's so cute when she drives that car, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's scary too, though, right? It is, but yeah, uh, yeah she's, she's smart, she's chilled. Uh, uh, she have a career plan. She's still seventeen, so she got this in her mind. I want to keep my record clean so I can get a job. Like, great, you yeah. are way better than my record. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not like that now. Yeah, <laughs> I got pulled over so many times. I know, I know the policeman by name now. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. All right, so let's go back to this Jameis Winston thing. You, you, you really think he can win a Super Bowl? Um, I actually think if he was playing over Drew Brees uh, for the Saints, they would have beat the Buccaneers. And I think they would have, they might have had a little you could trouble. Be, you with could the, be right. You yeah. could, he, he's very talented. He has yeah. great arm talent. And he could run. And, and he's, he's decent on his feet. Yeah. He, he, the issue I had with him, and I think the difference between somebody like Tom Brady and him, and it, it's not the number of picks, it's the kind of picks. He threw pick sixes like I've never seen at a yeah. rate that, like, no, he, I, agree. I think he doubled whatever the previous pick six record was. Yeah. I mean, it, you just no, can't I, win games I, that I, way. And it's the same scheme that Brady played under that led to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I listen. James Winston, James Winston could be, should be. You know, I really do think all that. But if he's playing on a on a team with coaches that are going to develop a young quarterback, I mean, this guy was just throwing picks like that because no one is developing him. They're yeah. just letting him play. Yeah. And it, Tom Brady is a different cat, but Tom Brady also got developed. Yeah. At a young as a young quarterback, and his confidence is showing now in his older age. He's super confident. It, you almost feel inside like, oh, it's Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna be fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. But with Jameis Winston, you're like, Ooh. you know. Even with Drew Brees, you're like, man, he he just he was throwing these things. I don't even know what he was doing. Right. You know. Right. They the the Saints and the Packers both should have beat the Bucks, and I was going for the Bucks. Yeah. I, I was. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to see Tom Brady win. You know. I mean, I think it's amazing. I think you're only gonna see this once in a lifetime. You know. Um, so I want to be part of it, like a Jordan, yeah. you know, LeBron, you know, but Tom Brady. And, I, I mean, but he, they should have lost against the Saints if it wasn't for turnovers on the Saints' yeah. part. And they should have lost to Green Bay. Green Bay, I mean, you have the best offense in the NFL. 
and you're going to not go for it. Yeah, that was a bad. That was a bad decision. And I think we had Tampa had uh, turned uh, Rogers over as much as the rest of the NFL the entire season to turn him over, which is huge. Their defense played great. Okay, twisted. But I also, like I said, I also think that the Packers, you know, they just lost that game themselves. Yeah. The Packers should have won that game. Yeah. I agree. And it was a home game, right, for the for the Packers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Bucks especially... were the, the Bucks were on the road the entire uh, playoffs. Playoffs. And until confidence... until the Super Bowl. Yeah. They actually, first team ever to win the Super Bowl in their home stadium. So this confidence for that Tampa Bay team. I mean, they. Someone told me that oh, Kansas City's already a front runner next year. I, I'm looking around. I'm like, did you? They lost did thirty-one they... to nine. And and you're gonna tell me that the rest of the league isn't watching what? Tampa did. Tampa just did? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't mind the Chiefs, but I don't like them that much. I don't think that they're what they are cracked up to be. So what? You could sling a ball all over the place, but your defense plays like crap. Yep. You know what I mean? I think I'm tired of teams that are making it to the Super Bowl like that, too. I think it, it's disgraceful to the game itself. Um, just So you put up, you put up you know, 40 points and you're going to win a Super No. You like the Ravens from 01. You like Tampa Bay yes. from 02. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love the I love Tampa Bay's defense now. Yeah, you know I even like the Bills' defense now. Oh, Bills' defense yeah. is great. And I, I it's another Williamsburg guy. He went to William and Mary. Uh, the coach. What's his coach name for Buffalo? Oh, uh, Tomlin like, went to William Mary. Yeah, Tomlin Steelers. I know that. And then Sean something. Oh, I know the Tomlin one. That's all I know. Yeah, like Tomlin. <laughs> well, the, this guy. <laughs> there you from, go. This, this guy. From, there we go. This I'm guy from Buffalo. Uh, God, I can't believe I can't remember his name. Played at the same time uh, Tomlin did at William Mary. They played again. Oh, nice. He was a freshman when Tomlin was a senior, I think. Anyway, all right, let's talk about the Jets. What moves are they going to make? Salah's there. Sounds like he wants to win. I, I don't know. I He could – he. so if I was looking at quarterback right now, let's just, you know, look at that. I could see him trying to trade Darnold for um, Garoppolo. Mm. Um, I could see something like that happen. Garoppolo gets hurt a lot, though. I'm not saying it's good. I could see it. Um, but I also could see Sam Darnold staying for one more season. Um, you build up, get some offensive weapons in there, and give him a shot. You know, because I think Sam Darnold is a good quarterback. My uncle would disagree. Um, he doesn't like uh, wherever USC. What division is USC? They're in the Pac-10 or Pac-10. Pac-17 or whatever right? teams are in the yeah. Pac. No. He can't stand any quarterback from there. My uncle Jeff. So. I think for him, he, he feels that way. But I like Sam Darnold. I think he could be good. He doesn't have any weapons. His offensive line sucks. He had Le'Veon Bell, which I don't think Le'Veon Bell was where he was before he left the Steelers. Um, so and there's even talks about them picking up um, Sam Darnold and trading for Ben Roethlisberger. You know what oh, I mean? It would be awful. Yeah, but it's, a, it's a horrible move. I've heard it. it. Just I've even heard Russell Wilson Coming to the Jets. I mean, that I would love. I love Russell Wilson. I He's from here. That. Yeah, Richmond area. Yeah. Right? That's my dude. Um, I met him at Paul's Deli. Actually. Oh, what? Yeah. Met him at Paul's Deli. The same day I met Andrew Luck. What? Also. Yeah, Andrew Luck. Signed. So they have quarterback camps there every year. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And Matt Ryan, Andrew Luck, and uh, Russell Wilson were there that day. I, I got Andrew Luck to sign the back of my chef coat. It's like, I heard about it. My brother called me, and I was like, oh, I jetted over there. Yeah. And I saw Andrew Luck, and then all he, had, he had people around him. Matt Ryan had an entourage of people just, you know, all over him. And then here comes Russell Wilson, not a single person next to him. And yeah. I, I got to look at him. Like, I was just sitting there, and I was like, Russell Wilson? He was like, hey, man, how are you? You know, Super nice guy. Oh, 
this there's no joke about how nice that guy is like you you hear stories about it but he's super nice but he's like barely barely taller than me you know what I mean? me and him are like close close yeah. in height yeah. yeah he's a big dude though yeah he's pretty rock rock solid He's an amazing athlete. He too. is all yeah. around. I mean, yeah, he played. What he, he was? He played baseball too. He was gonna. Mm-hmm. He was gonna be drafted into baseball or football. He was drafted, I think. Yeah, he was on both. the Rangers, right? Yeah, that's I think right. He was on the Rangers. Yeah, I think he played second base. Yeah, or he would have played second in the pros. He might have played shortstop, coming up, kind of thing. Man, that's awesome. I love him, man. He's yeah. So he, here's here's a fun connection. We're we're technically at an Ashland address, Ashland, Virginia, and uh, the connection that Ashland, Virginia has to the New York Jets. The Sanchez butt fumble? Yeah. The butt in the butt fumble is Damian Woody, who's from Ashland, Virginia. So there's a connection. So you're going to become a Jets fan now? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I'm just saying. The, the butt the, fumble. Why there, there, it was two people involved in the butt fumble. The, the, the other guy is from Ashland. always has to bring up old stuff. I mean, it, <laughs> such a long time ago. <laughs> they keep replaying it, too. It's constant. Every time it, I watch a TV. It's, it's hilarious. It's, if I'm a Jets fan, it's probably not so funny. But no, it's, I uh, <laughs> hey man, you're loyal, you know. Like you said, yeah, there ain't no bandwagon. Loyal. Nope. No, you, yeah, you got to be loyal. You yeah. can't switch teams. I, people that switch teams, or like growing up in Virginia, I was the only Buccaneers fan. Nobody else cared about the Buccaneers. It was we were a joke in the '70s, '80s, and most of the '90s. And, and so when we won the first Super Bowl back in '03, all these people came out of the woodworks with all this Tampa Bay stuff. I'm like. You're not a real fan. You're you didn't suffer fan. through the late 70s. You're only a real fan if you got those corny logos they used to have back in the 70s and 80s. Where is it <laughs> Doug Williams over there, man. He's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the uh, pop creamsicle orange? Yes, yeah. creamsicle orange. There those, you go. Those, I love those uniforms. Yeah. Most people make fun of them. I love them. Yeah. Love them. <laughs> That's like a Dolphins fan. My, one of my best friends from high school is a Dolphins fan. I'm like, I, that was my second favorite team growing up. No way. It was the orange, man. I loved mm-hmm. orange. If you had orange in your uniform, I was an Astros fan in baseball. Mm. Those rainbow uniforms back in the day. Jesus. Those things were sweet. <laughs> Those were awesome. God, you really are from the 70s and 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, d- disco was a thing, man. <laughs> gaudy, gaudy outfits were definitely a thing when I was a kid. Mm. Yeah. That's hilarious. I think Justin could do his own podcast. Yeah. Yeah, right. No, I do. No, yeah, Seriously. You, you got great I mean, presence. You yeah. really do. And I'm we're not experts. We've been doing this a year, but I think you, you could uh, pull something off. The sports thing, the food thing, oh, the you ser- tell- surf. You need the Jason Jerome Wyrick, if you're listening to this, you heard what he said. That's a bummer. My my brother has been talking crap about starting a freaking podcast and well, i told dude, him we'll hook you up we'll help you out help yeah you i keep starting. i keep telling him dude all you got to do is start off man i'll be the first i'll be the first guy on here we talk sports just like we were just talking the bullshit. two of you should do it together that's what i keep telling him I, he, he, what's your brother's name jason 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 you gotta start a podcast with your brother you heard it but is he older or younger than you he's older but you know you can take it. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yo, there's no, it's not even a question. <laughs> you can't even tell who's all the way. Yeah, right. He's got a beard. He looks like, uh, he looks like, what you call it? Like uh, the wizard from uh, Gandalf. Gandalf right yeah. now. He's got this beard going on. He's all retired. He used to be in the Coast Guard. He's all retired now. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah, living life. Yeah, Jason, you should start a podcast with I your know. brother. Hell yeah. I think so too, man. I keep telling him we could do it on the side and. All he has to do is do it once a week. You, this guy's sports knowledge is it's unreal. Uh, you just beep, 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 beep. You're like, where'd you come up with that? I'm like, you look that up real quick. Where, yeah. Does your brother live near you? Yeah, right, right around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> he lives right. So you go, you take a right to my brother, you take a left to Roy's. Um, and my mom lives right up 
right next to my brother, really. My right, sister well, lives across so, town. So check this out. You and your brother come back, and uh, the focus will be on your brother, but you'll be here and... Uh, we should have bought him. Do, do a little test that drive. That was the same thing came to my mind. Why Jason is not... We, don't, we do not have a fifth <laughs> mic as part of the <laughs> yeah. issue. Yeah. Yeah, next time we'll do it. I'll be way down. I, I really wish we would have bought him. But I figured, you know, me and him needed a day together. We haven't just... You know, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So this was an excuse for you guys to spend the day together. That's correct. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh no, Janelle. It's, it's it online, not. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> it is not Janelle. We're going nowhere. <laughs> no, no. She already knows. Yeah. That's funny. That's really as long funny. as we're not going to any strip clubs, we'll be okay. Yeah. There, nope. are no, nope. there are no strip clubs no, 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 in uh, no. Ashland, Virginia. I can tell you that. You're never all for this. <laughs> oh, man. Very cool. Well, it's been about an hour and a half. Uh, Justin and Roy, yeah. I can't get used to calling you Roy. Thanks so much for joining us today. It was, it was a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah. Uh, learned a ton. And I hope your family and friends get to listen to this and, and enjoy it. Yeah, I hope so, too. hope so, too. Very cool. Thanks, yeah. man. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.